0: Okay, good morning. This is Richard Chu, host of Shoe Untied, and, and today I'm very pleased and honored to have with me as my guest Heidi Roizen, who's an entrepreneur venture capitalist. Heidi, welcome to the show. Thank you
1: very much. Thanks for having me.
0: So Heidi, um, let's start with you being an entrepreneur. What are some of the lessons or important things you obviously, I'm sure you work with a lot of entrepreneurs. Before <laughs> today, after having been an entrepreneur, what are some of the you know key lessons or takeaways that you try to share with them from your experience?
1: Um, I think that the if if people ask me sort of you know what is the number one word, what's the number one thing, what's the number one way that entrepreneurs have to be to be successful the word that comes to mind for me is tenacious. Hmm. So my number one point is just, entrepreneurship is really hard. And you're gonna make a lot of mistakes and you're gonna get you know, failure handed to you left and right and you have to be able to pick yourself up and move on. Hmm. And a lot of people just are not ready to have that level of stress and failure in their lives. Hmm. And so tenacity is super, super important. Hmm. I think the flip side of that though is flexibility. And it's interesting, some people do not understand how those can be in the same same attitude and in the same person. I think that the best entrepreneurs learn from their mistakes. They go and they're just sponges for information from other people, but they have to be really good analyzers and sorters of what information should cause them to change course versus what information is interesting but not relevant to what they're doing.
0: So how do you balance that? Because they do sound like polar opposites. I mean, if you're totally tenacious, you wouldn't be flexible. If you're completely flexible, you wouldn't like. How do you balance? You
1: that? know, it's a, it's, it's such a fine line. It's different from every for every person. It's different on every day, and it's different with every input. Hmm. Uh, I think that part of uh, understanding how to be flexible is understanding what data is important and what data isn't important. Hmm. Whether that's your customers' data, your investors' data, your employees' data, your 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 friends uh, telling you what they think of your product, it's not an easily defined thing. I would say that at the ends of the spectrum, you know you're dealing with someone who's not going to be successful. If someone is so bullheaded that they don't listen to input, that they don't listen to what their customers say, that they don't change course based on real-time feedback – they're not going to be successful. Mm-hmm. The flip side is if you have someone who is too consensus-oriented and runs as if every decision is a team decision and, and changes on the whim of whatever someone tells them to do, they are also not going to be mm-hmm. successful. They're mm-hmm. going to wander around. Mm-hmm. So you really need to strike that balance. Mm-hmm. And I think over time you learn. Mm-hmm. Whose input uh, do you value?
0: Now do you find that as a venture capitalist now you can kind of identify that, or is it still hard to tell when you talk to an entrepreneur? can you kind of sense that okay, this person really has that right combination, or what's your what's your experience with that? you know
1: it's it's inter- it's a, it's a fascinating question because of course, as a venture capitalist, we have to make decisions on whether we're going to back somebody or not sure and I think that there's a perception among some entrepreneurs that venture capitalists are like the ogre is sitting on the pile of money, and if you say the right word, you unlock the ogre. They hand you the pile, and they go away and leave you alone. When really, from the venture capitalist perspective, we're looking at a person, and we're thinking, "I'm going to give you money. I, I, you know, my partner is my <laughs> RLPs on right. behalf of RLPs. Right. We are not going to have controlling interest. You are going to run your company." And I hope to make multiples of that money at some point, but it usually takes five to seven years. So am I going to be able to trust you to do the right thing for five or seven years? Not that we don't have input, but we rarely have controlling interest of of the companies we invest in. We're really, we're in the car, but we're in the backseat of the car. We're not driving the car. So that's part of the reason why the venture process, unless it's super frothy times, is usually a six, eight. 12, sometimes more, week process where you are learning the entrepreneur. You're learning because you need to see if they say they're going to do something, do they really do it? If uh, they get data that that impacts the parameters of their business model, do they change the business model? Hmm. Are they receptive to feedback? How do they handle feedback? How do they handle each other? You know, Usually these are small teams of people. How do the people deal with each other? You're trying to figure that all out before you make that investment Mm -hmm. because those soft, uh, you know, the the, the non-metrics-based analysis we have to do to determine whether to back someone or not is often the most important Mm -hmm. part.
0: Mm Well, that brings up an interesting question. Like when you look for entrepreneurs, and people talk a lot about EQ and IQ. Yep. Do you think that's should, is, do you look do you look for entrepreneurs that have that equally strong, or do you look mainly for IQ or mainly for EQ? Like, how do you balance those two criteria? Well, when
1: you see both, it's really exciting. <laughs> 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 and you know that is the other the other thing about venture is venture is a venture is a very odd. Job And it's a very uh, specific instrument for a specific kind of company. Most startups in the world couldn't get venture capital, don't need venture capital, and aren't appropriate for venture capital, right? Venture capital, there are two things about the kind of venture capital that we at DFJ do. One is you are looking for large exits because that's where our model works. We take risk on on a lot of breakthrough things. A lot of them don't work, but the ones that do work more than make up for the ones that don't. So every time we're looking at a deal, we're saying, can we make 10 times our invested capital on this deal? Mm -hmm. Um, We are looking for things that deliver exits. It is one of the interesting things entrepreneurs don't think about. They think, I need money to grow my business, but they have to understand the business model on the side of the investor. We need to return that money to our limited partners at some point in a Call it five to ten year period. So we do need those companies to either go through M and A or IPO, which means, for example, businesses I'll call lifestyle business, and I don't mean that as an insult. There can be amazing lifestyle businesses that deliver tremendous amounts of capital to their founders, but those are sometimes not businesses that can be sold. You know, for example, service businesses are harder to monetize sure. through an IPO or an acquisition. So I think that with venture, we we probably look at a hundred companies for every company we invest in. Mm. So we're saying no 99 (laughs) times out of 100. So what are we looking for? We are looking for that combination of EQ and IQ. We are looking for people, particularly I think in technology, disruptive technology companies, generally that involves some sort of scientific breakthrough. Mm -hmm. Generally those come from people who are coming out of top educational institutions and probably have pretty good scores on tests. Mm-hmm. So you are, you know, you are sort of sorting for those those kinds of people
0: because that's typically where those breakthroughs come from. Do you have a certain bias towards having multiple founders versus a single founder or not really? That's just on a case-by-case basis. You,
1: uh, you know, my personal preference is for more than one founder. I think two is a, actually a great number. I think three can sometimes be difficult, but in a way three is great because you always have a tiebreaker. Yeah, right. But at the end of the day, also, someone has to be the CEO. Yeah, yeah, and I think yeah. that almost equal founders or even equal founders can work very well, but one of them has
0: to be the CEO and play the CEO role. Mm-hmm. Now, having been a venture capitalist and an entrepreneur, which one do you like better? How do you, <laughs> how do
1: you compare the two? Compare and contrast. Let's see. I've, I've been each for about the same time. Now, I've been a venture capitalist for longer now, but... Um, First of all, being an entrepreneur is way harder than being a venture capitalist, right? (laughs) The stresses, the amount of time, the, Uh the, I mean, I know venture capitalists who say they have stressful jobs and I know their calendars are full, but I can tell you, I've been a C, I was CEO for 14 years and now I've been a venture capitalist for almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. And, uh the hardest day as a VC is like the average day for an entrepreneur. So first of all, I just don't, you know, we work hard and we have to make a lot of decisions and we have to, we live or die by the success of our deals. And if they don't work, we ultimately don't get to hold these jobs. But I would say entrepreneurship is a way more seat of the pants, way more, you know, you're rolled up your sleeves, you're in there day in, day out. And I think it's a a way harder job. I would also say though that the highs are higher and the lows are lower when you're an entrepreneur. Mm. You know, when you're a venture capitalist, you are a portfolio manager. And so while I love my portfolio companies, at any given time, I'm working with six or seven of them. Mm -hmm. There's usually one that is the most important or that has the highest potential or is having the problem, right? Um, You know, it's like if if you're a parent of multiple children and you hear a ruckus in the backyard and you run out and the first thing you say is, which one of you is bleeding? You deal with the (laughs) bleeding one first. That happens too, right? We have portfolio companies, and one of them is going through a crisis. You're going to go spend your time on that one. But we are, at the end of the day, portfolio managers, and and I think the most important thing to realize as a venture capitalist is, you know, it's not your baby. It's more like being a grandparent than a parent. It is the entrepreneur's mission, and he or she has to be driving that. And you, as the venture capitalist, are not in the position. And if you are, if you're playing too much of a managerial in, role inside the companies you've invested in, you've probably done something wrong in my opinion
0: well what about you personally though do you personally like being an entrepreneur better or personally like being oh like me you, you know personally. i
1: think each was great for its time in my life i think that you know i was an entrepreneur in my 20s and 30s and it was very exhilarating i loved it i'm super proud of of the company we built i actually just had dinner with um three of the people who used to work there uh, night before last. And, you know, we sold that company over 20 years ago and we still get together. We still, you know, some of my best friends remain the people that I worked with because that was such a seminal part of my life and it was such an intense period. And so I loved that. Um, I also though, like being a venture capitalist because it allows me to have a different level of Of stress and pressure, a lower (laughs) level of stress and pressure, but it still allows me to work with people who are really dedicated and are trying to change the world. Mm -hmm. And one of the fun things about venture capitalism, of course, as opposed to entrepreneurship, and one of the things I like about being a venture capitalist now is I get to involve myself in lots of different kinds of companies, Mm -hmm. and that is tremendously fun. Mm -hmm.
0: What are some of the biggest mistakes, or sort of the you know biggest things that you know founders or entrepreneurs tend to make? That really end up being a problem. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure there are many, but I'm like, oh, there are so many certain things that you've sort of seen over the years that, you know, really.
1: Absolutely. I mean, there are uh, there are there are many, but I will tell you the two biggest ones I think entrepreneurs would make. One of them is when they set their plans, they always assume everything will go right. Mm. And I've never been involved with a company where everything goes right. So anytime I look at a business model, uh, I know one thing to be true about whatever business model you give me. I know it's wrong. I just don't know in or what some direction. Aspects are wrong. I just don't know what direction. But it's <laughs> never going to play out exactly like you tell me, which is why it's so important to understand your assumptions in your model because you, you will get some wrong. Some of them are okay. Some of them are killers. So number one, entrepreneurs always presume everything will go right all the time. Mm. Number two, entrepreneurs always think they have more time than they really do. Mm, they will they will inevitably play out the clock. Mm. And to me, the clock is the money, right? It takes longer to raise your next round than you think. For most mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. I'm there every once in a while, there's the person who has the story about they went to Sandil, they wrote something on the back of a napkin and they got a term sheet. Mm. Okay, some. But he wins the lottery every week, too. It's probably not going to be <laughs> you or me. So same kind of idea, right? That that you, you – I personally believe that when you get to the point where you have nine months of runway, you need to really put the hammer down and, and get that next fundraising done. Mm. And if you haven't gotten it done by, call it, six months to cash out, you probably have to think about your strategic options because most people, they're just – You know, entrepreneurs are optimists. That's why they're entrepreneurs. And so they always believe, I know tomorrow's going to be a different day and a better day, and I'm going to get that contract on that. Things going to happen. And then it doesn't. And then they don't have enough time to come up with plan B. So you, you need that time, and time literally is money in this case.
0: Now, given the fact that being an entrepreneur is such an emotional roller coaster, how do you kind of counsel entrepreneurs to kind of keep their emotions in check or not let it get the best of them? Because, I mean, like you said, the highs are highs, and the lows are lows. I mean, how, how do you how do you help entrepreneurs kind of get through that part of
1: it? It is super hard because, on the one hand, you want entrepreneurs to work really, really, really hard, right? I mean, they I joke with them. I say, hey, look, I have a different lifestyle. I chose it. You chose to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You're the one who has to work nights and weekends you know not necessarily me Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. (laughs) although sometimes i do but um i think that um it's important for entrepreneurs to keep what they're doing in perspective you have to be really passionate about doing it but you have to realize that life is bigger than just that Mm -hmm. i think that having friends having family keeping yourself healthy those are all super important Mm um I am. I meditate, and I wish everybody meditated. I think it's it's a really important and good thing to do, and um, it keeps you know it it allows you to drain the stress out of your life twice a day. And I think it's really. I wish everyone did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, not all entrepreneurs are going to do that, but some are, and and they can pick their way of doing that. Whether it's it's meditation or whether it's going on a bike ride or whether it's taking a walk around the parking lot or or whatever it is to sort of take a natural calming uh, moment or 10 minutes or whatever it is in the day to keep themselves sane. Mm. And, and, I, and again, I think a lot of the reasons entrepreneurs get into tremendously stressful situations is because they run out of money. And so, again, you, you don't put yourself in that situation in the first place.
0: What makes a good venture capitalist? Tell me what are some of the important qualities of a venture capitalist. Um, if I'm an entrepreneur looking for a venture capitalist, what should I be looking for? In terms of quality. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm laughing because I joke about, you know, venture capital, the relationship between entrepreneur and venture capitalist is like a marriage. Uh-huh. Uh, it lasts about the same time, right? <laughs> the average marriage in America lasts for like eight years and the average relationship between VC and entrepreneur is eight years. Right. But unlike marriage, you, it's really hard to divorce your venture capitalists. Mm-hmm. So when you are meeting with a person, think, uh, can I spend the next seven or eight years dealing with this person? Because mm-hmm. we're really hard to get rid of. Once mm-hmm. you take our money, we're like, we're there. Um, it's very hard to buy us out. It's very hard to, I mean, that's not the model, right? So I think that like anything, if you're going to do business with someone, you should be checking their references. Mm -hmm. I think any venture capitalist who gives you a term sheet should also be willing to give you references. You should be able to do blind references too. You should be able to look at the uh, website, know what deals they've done, call up other, other entrepreneurs. And I think the interesting thing to do is, and I do this with the entrepreneurs that, that I back, I say, look, I'm also happy to give you the names of the entrepreneurs I worked with where it didn't work out because hmm, it's really easy when everything goes well. Yeah, 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 it's course. not so easy when things don't go so well. Hmm,
0: hmm. Do you find more often than not that your judgment about the entrepreneur during that whatever that evaluation period is right or are you usually wrong about the personality of the entrepreneur slash founders, I and mean, what do you, what do you find, or do you find you're, you're
1: always wrong about something? <laughs> I mean, you know, that's also why reference checking is so important in right. both directions. Right. So, right. I mean, you know, to answer your question about both the entrepreneur and the venture capitalist, I think what each should look for in the other is an alignment of what the mission is, mm-hmm. is an ethical um, compass. I, I, I like to say, I like diversity, I don't like diversity in ethics. <laughs> Um, I like everyone to sort of have the same fundamental ethics. And so understanding that on both sides, um, understanding what the ultimate goal is and what the outcome is and how long you think it's going to take and making sure you're aligned on all of those things. And so do we get surprised? Sure, we get surprised all the time. But if we've done our homework, we should not be surprised by someone's ethics, someone's work ethic, someone's inclusiveness, someone's... EQ or IQ? I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff. If you have time to do your your proper due diligence, you should be able to figure that mm-hmm, stuff out. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, when you evaluate a company for investment, are do you have like a you know elaborate metric where you're checking all you know evaluating all these things, or is it more of a gestalt kind of like well, <laughs> I know when I see it kind of yeah, kind of know when yeah, I see it. Like,
1: hey, you know, it's both. It's both. First of all, uh, venture is a team sport. Mm-hmm. There are uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten people on the venture team who all sit in the investment decisions and we're all evaluating based on things. There's usually a core team of two or three people led by one partner who are evaluating the deal and that will become one of the deals that partner will sit on that board or whatever. So they're usually the most involved and they're, they're analyzing the total market size and the metrics and the competition and all of that stuff. But here's the problem. We're also early stage investors. Mm-hmm. The earlier you are, the less. There's less to do of that. You're really more betting on on you're betting on on three things in the kind of things we do. Number one, you're betting on the people mm-hmm. and that is number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, you're betting on the market. And number three, you often are betting on the technology mm-hmm. and you're looking at those three things and you say, can these people disrupt this market using Let's this try. technology? And that's what you've got to try to figure out.
0: I heard a phrase one time that people said that venture capitalists is like looking for Michael Jordan, at a, looking at an embryo and trying to decide which one's Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sort of true. It is sort of true.
0: What do you think the hardest thing about being a venture capitalist is? Or just that or is it something else you think?
1: I think there's two things. I think number one is, you know, again, I was an entrepreneur. I'm an optimist. I became a venture capitalist, and I thought, "Oh my God, I have to say no ninety-nine out of every hundred meetings. I have to disappoint people constantly." Mm-hmm. And so, it is a business in which a lot of your life is turning people down, and that is just something you have to get used to. And then, I think the the other thing is uh, venture capitalists fall in love with their own deals, mm-hmm. and sometimes they and I say they and sometimes it is me as well lack the discipline to say this one's just not working. Mm-hmm. And we should cut our losses and not keep working on this one.
0: Yeah, I've heard that from a few venture capitalists that that's
1: a really yeah, hard decision It's to make. really hard.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think I uh, was just curious, what would you say the one unique thing Heidi Rosen has that other venture capitalists is is totally unique to you and not to other venture capitalists? Is there anything that you Yeah, that's point a to?
1: really good question. Um You know, it it is impossible to give you a single answer because what I'll say is I am, every day when I show up at every meeting, I bring my 59 years of life experience in that room, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And I, I was an entrepreneur from the time I was 11 years old. I started doing puppet shows for children's birthday parties. And mm. I made my mm. money all the way through high school and most of college doing that. Mm. Started a company, ran, you know, with my brother, started a software company, grew it to hundred people, sold it, you know, worked at Apple. I've been on, I think 10 public boards. I've been on 30 private boards, mm. I've seen great exits, I've seen billion dollar outcomes and I've seen terrible craters in the ground that you stand <laughs> in the abyss and go what the hell happened here. And so every day I'm bringing that collective I'm bringing me to the table. And so sometimes some days I'm a great fit and I have something that's really relevant. Some days I say this isn't something I can help you with. And so, you know, I'm bringing that. So so I think if you asked people what it is that's unique about me, it is that collective experience. I have, a, I have a very good sense of, of, I think, of the I have a good perspective. Mm-hmm. And I have a pretty good sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And I show up. You know, I, do, I, 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 I deliver what I say I'm going to deliver. And so I think those collection of things are what people look for in me. Have you ever thought about writing a book? <laughs> All your experiences and wisdoms? You know, I love to write. And I love to write and I also find it very painful when I actually sit down to do it. I do have a blog post um at it's at com, and every once in a while I fe- feel compelled to write something mm-hmm. but right now I'm still in the in the building experience years of my life I think and I am so enjoying what I do I do teach a class at Stanford in entrepreneurship mm-hmm. um and and that's where I'm sort of getting my opportunity to to package up some of this information and give give back and 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 work it so who knows maybe a book's in my future
0: have you ever thought about trying starting your own company one last company have you ever thought about that no
1: <laughs> i know how hard it is uh, you know i like doing little fun side project things and so uh my my yeah. I naturally – my kids laugh at me about this because every time I pick up a new hobby, I, like, buy the URL because I'm like, oh, someday this will be a business, you know. So <laughs> so I have some funny URLs that we won't go into. But, you know, any time I come up with – everything's a business to me. It's like I look at everything. I'm like, oh, this
0: is a business. That's funny.
1: But – it's it's you know when you're a hammer everything looks like a nail
0: well sounds like i mean you've obviously done everything you've been an entrepreneur you're a venture capitalist you teach you've been in academics is there anything like anything else in your career that you would still like to try or do something with or do you kind of feel like you've done all the things you wanted to do and you'll just? well i think i mean the doing?
1: great thing about the job i do is it constantly changes you never walk in and say i got this i know how to do it there are certain days where you are like oh I've seen this movie before. Yeah. I know how it ends. Yeah, and here's what we need to do. Mm-hmm. But because the people are constantly changing, the technology is constantly changing, the challenges, the markets are constantly changing. It's a constantly changing and renewing sort of thing. I do think about um, the role as mentor and how to evolve that role. I won't say post DFJ because I have a feeling I'll be at, I'll be at DFJ till they like cart me out. <laughs> I, I love DFJ, but. The idea of for example, like here's a crazy like a crazy thing I've been thinking about recently, off sites. Everyone I really believe in offsites, but a lot of offsites just are awful because mm-hmm. people don't actually know how to run them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I've been thinking about like how would you design the perfect off site? And how would you run the perfect off site that would actually be fun and creative and interesting and, and useful. And 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 useful? And so that's one of those things I noodle around in my spare time. But, but right, you know, honestly, I think DFJ is going to keep me pretty busy for, for a while, and I'm happy doing what I do.
0: Well, Heidi, this has been a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate your taking the time. If you do decide to do anything else, you'll have to come back and tell me about it.
1: Absolutely. Will do. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
0: This is Richard Hsu and Heidi Roysen. Thanks.